Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hunting Seasons, a podcast about two friends catching up on notable television shows one season at a time. I'm Damas Leary. And I'm Broderick Gordis. And today we'll be discussing season one of the second show in our currently airing category, Atlanta. Banter, banter, banter. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, bro? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, had a good week watching Atlanta? I had a good day watching Atlanta. Yeah, me too, actually. It didn't take long, which is nice. It was very luxurious. Mm, I liked it. It was good. All right, let's get into our spoiler warning. On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in season one of Atlanta. If you haven't yet watched Atlanta, pause the podcast, watch it, and then come back and join us. Otherwise, proceed with caution. Spoilers ahead. You have most certainly been warned. Broad, do you want to run the breakdown for us? Certainly. Atlanta is an FX original comedy drama series that follows two cousins, Ernest Earn Marks and Albert Paperboy Miles, as they rise up through the Atlanta rap scene. The show first premiered on September 6th, 2016 as created by former star of the sitcom series Community and current day rapper Donald Childish Gambino Glover. Season 1 is the only season available at this time of recording, consisting of 10 episodes at an average length of about 25 minutes and took us approximately 4 hours and 15 minutes to watch. Nice and short. That is so good. It was amazing. (laughs) Atlanta has been renewed for a second season, but has been delayed until 2018 while Donald Glover goes and plays a young Lando Calrissian in the upcoming Han Solo movie. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw a picture the other day of him, of uh, Donald Glover in like some sort of family like restaurant, like a booth somewhere mm. with uh, the guy that plays Lando in the original film. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, it's happening. He must be losing his mind. He must be so excited. Donald Glover. Yeah. I don't know. He's really? such a like, these days... Like, I, I, okay, people should know at this stage I'm obsessed with community. So, Don Glover to me is like, I love Don Glover. Mm. Um, and I, you see the like the stuff of him on set and like the, um, in the, the what do you call it, the bloopers and stuff like yeah. that. He's full of energy in those things. Mm. Lately, I guess it's his whole rap scene thing he's got going with Charles Gambino. He seems like a real, like, cool cat. And I'm worried well, he's not getting excited at all. I just think it's a totally different setting, though. Because on set, you're amongst, like, friends and colleagues. Whereas, yeah. like, if you're being interviewed by someone, you're probably going to be shut down a little bit. You know what I mean? If but, you're not, like, a natural, like, extrovert or, like, someone who's, like, particularly, like, overly sociable or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Anyway, I don't. I, I hope he's excited. <laughs> I'm excited that he's playing Lando. I would imagine anyone would be excited to have that opportunity. That's pretty amazing. All right. So I'm going to give us, us, us all, 
us all, all of us. All of us. We are a family here, both inside yeah. the podcast and those listening. Mm, beautiful. Uh, a rundown of Atlanta season one. Atlanta is the story of two very different cousins pursuing the same goal, to make money. Alfred, also known as Paperboy, is an up-and-coming rapper in Atlanta with one song that's found success in the streets. When hearing of this, Earn, his Princeton dropout cousin, sees an opportunity. Earn struggling to make ends meet. He's working on a job that only pays commission to help support his daughter with on-again, off-again girlfriend Van. And so he offers to manage Paperboy's career and hijinks ensue. When both Paperboy and Earn are arrested for the involvement in a shooting, Paperboy's career is rocketed into an Atlanta celebrity. He's now being celebrated as a return to the true gangster rap. He's the kind of guy that won't hesitate to shoot a uh, N-word that steps to him, I believe is the term. (laughs) (laughs) And so Paperboy has to negotiate in a world that has categorized him with one great big fluorescent label, Thug Rapper. He fights against the distinction, and yet he consistently finds himself punching club owners, tackling teen idols, and being pursued by the police for armed robbery. And as Paperboy's career slowly starts to take shape, both Earn and Van, his on-again, off-again girlfriend, are trying to figure out how to get their life right. Earn is more often than not left feeling like he was born to lose. He's arrested for intervening when Paperboy wants to shoot someone. He's mistaken for an agent that destroyed someone's career and is scolded for it. His date night with Van is ruined thanks to the removal of a happy hour menu and a diminishing bank account. And he's forced to listen to a white man tell him that he just simply must return and experience his motherland, Africa. Nothing is clear cut in the world of Atlanta. While grappling with extreme poverty, Earn must still hang out at clubs, take his lady out to dinner and mingle with Atlanta's elite. While Paperboy laments that rap is his only option because people are afraid of him, He also perpetuates that very stereotype that traps him. And Van, wanting to be strong and fiercely independent, turns to the comfort of her unreliable and consistently disappointing man friend time and time again. And the show raises some great questions. Is it possible to balance creative endeavours with the responsibilities of parenthood? Is it possible to ingratiate yourself with people whose ideals you don't share for professional benefit and still remain unchanged? And why are we all being forced to politically make love to Caitlyn Jenner when none of us really want to? And most importantly, is it possible, I mean truly possible, to find a restaurant that will let you order off the kids' menu? The end. Very nice. Thank you. (laughs) You should just go into some slam poetry at the end. (laughs) Like I was on NPR. It's great. (laughs) All right. So that's the story synopsis. So, Brad, why did you want to watch this show? As mentioned earlier, I just really like Donald Glover. Like, I think he's a very, very, very interesting performer in so many ways, entertainer. Definitely came to know him and love him in community as Troy. Jeez, I've got his name for a second. I haven't watched that show in forever. <laughs> um, even when the show was at its worst, which is season four, without a doubt, mm. he is bringing it every... He, he's a highlight. He's always the highlight. He yeah, just, right. for whatever reason, he made any scene that he was in excellent. Always good. And so I've always appreciated his work. I was very disappointed when he left the show. Not disappointed that his decision, but the show was worse because of it. Yeah. It was still good, but it was never as good, I don't think, as when Troy was still a part of it. Then I haven't watched a whole lot of 30 Rock. I've watched a bit of it, but he's a writer on that show. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think, it was for a little bit, yeah. Yep. So I think, and that's pretty cool. Then he went on to be Charles Gambino, which at first I didn't connect with. Rap's not really my thing, but there are a 
bunch of st- songs at this stage and he his latest album, um, Me and Your Mama, or maybe that's the song, I can't remember, but his latest album, mm. I quite like parts of it. I don't love it in totally, but again, music's... Music is so far down the rung of things that I'm passionate about. Like it, it's TV, uh, movies, video games, Pokemon. Like you yeah. could go through a bunch of things before it gets to music. But there's stuff in there that I love. Yeah. I just find him incredibly interesting as a performer because he's so versatile and he's trying new things all the time. And so when I found out he he's had his own show... certainly a renaissance man. I don't think anyone can deny that. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And um, yeah, so when I heard this show was coming out, I was incredibly excited. I didn't jump on it straight away. Um, but had heard good things. A lot of people I respect who are loving the show. I was like, we should watch if this. If you love him so much, why didn't you jump on it straight away? I don't remember whether I was... T- I mean, when did it happen? When did I say this show started? Back in September. Um, September of last year. I can't remember what was going on, but it just... I had stuff going on, I guess. Look, we could go on about this for all the millions of other reasons we haven't watched these other <laughs> gigantic shows. And this was just yeah. one to add on top of that list. Um, but I'm glad I've got the opportunity now. What about you? Why did you want to watch this show? I mean, I didn't overly. I knew that Donald Glover had a new show out and I was interested in it because I, I like him. Um, but it, it was certainly not on my list for things that I really had to watch because um, I hadn't really heard anything about it other than I obviously saw him win the Emmy. Was it the Emmy that he won? Might have been a Golden Globe now that I think about it. Yeah, so they did win two Golden Globes. Uh, he won Best Actor and they got Best Musical or Comedy. Oh, nice. Yeah, cool. so that's pretty huge. That so that was massive. like the first time I had really seen anything like, well, anything at all. I mean, I knew vaguely knew there was a show that he was doing, but I hadn't read any reviews, hadn't seen any recaps, hadn't really heard anything on like, you know, my social media feeds at all about the show. So, I, yeah, I just wasn't enticed to watch it, I guess. There was, I hadn't heard anything about the what the plot of the show was really. I yeah, didn't I know. I knew nothing about it. Yeah, I knew it was set in Atlanta, basically. I remember at the time when it was first announced that he was doing the pilot that it was known as just Atlanta because he hadn't come up with a title for the show yet. And then somewhere along the line, just like, oh, yeah, that'll do. Yeah. And um, that's literally all I knew about it was that. Because um, I guess that's one of the reasons I didn't jump on it as well is because it's not like Westworld. I'm like, oh, you know, uh, robots from a theme park that come to life. Like, it didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't have that thing to latch on to except that it was his show. Yeah, right. And so... So you were kind of hyped for it um, just because you knew it was his? So you I, assumed it would be good quality? I was always interested to watch it and then excited to watch it because I'd heard people that I trust really liked it. You're right. And did you like it? What I were did. Your thoughts? I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was, it, it was a lot of contrast in there. It was both relatable and very foreign to me. It was both. It was really insightful at times. Yeah. It was truthful and very strange all at the same time. Mm. There's a lot going on there. I'm not going to say I absolutely loved it. It's not like I walked away from it going, oh man, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. I can't wait to see more. Mm. But what I watched was really enjoyable, really easy to watch. Mm. Um, I think you put it really well when you said it was relatable, but also really foreign. Yeah. Because I had the same feeling. I was like... I'm really connecting to certain aspects of these characters' struggles being um, a young person, pretty impoverished, don't have yeah. a whole lot of money, that kind of thing, um, dealing with responsibility and finding direction, um, you know, the balance between creative pursuits and responsibility. So that part I could totally relate to. Mm-hmm. But the other aspects that me as a white woman in Australia just will never understand. And Absolutely. it was like just immersing myself in a culture that I 
have real no real understanding of. Um, but yeah, it was. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, I, I thought really, really I thought it was really it. cool. I'm I'm really interested to talk about different aspects of it actually because I think there's, there's a lot to delve into. Indeed. So just going on from what I was just saying about you know being a white Australian woman, it was it was very foreign to me. Um, and so like one of the questions I had is like, is this show one accessible to white people? Not saying that it should be accessible to white people because not all media needs to be. Um, and whether you felt it was accessible. Because like, I read this great um, quote. It was on IndieWire. It was written by – I'm going to murder your name. I'm so sorry. Han Nguyen. Nguyen? 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 Yeah. Nguyen. Um, sure. Uh, I'm so sorry. You can call me Damask any day. That's fine. <laughs> uh, and the quote was, what Atlanta does instead is use tonal shifts, wholly unanticipated events and surreal elements to create such an atmosphere of subversion that it's unsettling. And this in turn creates an openness in the audience to experience what comes next without expectation. Only by creating holes in our assumption can our outlook be ready to take in new ideas to change, evolve. This impacts both black and non-black viewers alike. Because I think when I'm watching something that is not skewed for a white audience, um, I put on my white guilt glasses, all my like liberal ideas about black people and black culture and like what my position is as a viewer and I view it that way. I'm not like conscious of these things, but that's just in my position. That's just kind of what I do when I take in film or television that's directed for a black audience or just people of colour. Um, whereas this show, I, I think what... Um, oh, Nguyen. Nguyen. <laughs> Han um, is kind of getting at which this show does really well is like just strips me of all my expectations as a viewer so that I can kind of almost come from a neutral place I mean it's all practically impossible to really do that but it kind of it helps a little bit in doing that I think what did you think as as a white man Australian man did you find the show accessible uh yes and no but not it was uh, the thing was, it was. I don't think. Sometimes I think it was. It was doing things that made it more accessible. Whether it was doing it mm. deliberately or not, I'm not sure. There's certain things in there that are just broadly comedy or written in a broad comedy way. There's a mm. thing I noticed in episode one that I thought was really clever was the way they would end scenes on a button. They would end scenes on a really kind of broad joke that would just hit with a punch and make that scene fun. What example? So the example I can think of is this great bit in the opening, one of the opening scenes, but after the credits, I think it was in the first episode, Ern is with Van and their daughter and they're having a conversation about a lot of different things. But it ends in this moment. They're having, they're been talking about what she's doing. She's off on a date oh, and stuff like that. Yeah, and he about. goes, and he says something along the lines, this is a great the environment, environment for, for you. you. <laughs> and it's just a really like, the way it's delivered, because mm. Don Glover knows how to deliver anything funny if he wants to. He has the yeah. right. And it, just, it was just a really broad, fun, I literally was the first moment I laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. But it also, all of a sudden, I felt comfortable because of that. Yeah. I actually wrote in my notes, six minutes in, and I properly laughed out loud. Mm-hmm. And that gave me a lot of confidence in the yeah. show. I think I laughed when they were just in bed together, their little banter I thought was quite good. And there's good stuff in there as well. And so those, those moments that are very real and are very relatable, at the same time, they're not there's a lot of times where they're not trying at all to make it more relatable to, to a non-black audience. Yeah. Their language and stuff can be like, I'll be honest, I'm not as familiar with that, that, those sort of 
that sort of dialect or vernacular. even vernacular or even accents to a degree and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so sometimes it didn't hit me straight away what was being said or I'd have to rewind a little bit and yeah. rehear it. But I was never frustrated by that. It wasn't mm-hmm. like... And, and I wasn't frustrated... It's weird to say I wasn't frustrated because they don't have to make it less frustrating for me. They're not yeah. making it for me necessarily. But I don't know. I never felt like... As much as it wasn't trying to be accessible, some reason it was. I don't know. It was, I think it's the things you were explaining is that there are so many parts of it that while they might not relate to me directly, enough of the elements do. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it's just because, like you said, a young person who, who's got creative aspects and or yeah. interests and stuff like that. It just it it still was um, accessible or yeah, really interesting to me. I don't know if I explained myself well enough there. No, no, I think you did. I, I just it was interesting to watch something that wasn't either completely pandering to my white sensibilities mm-hmm. or completely alien to me. Um, I remember watching, what's it called? Oh, I think it's, I think it's made by Tyler Perry, um, but it's called For Coloured Girls. And I remember watching it and obviously the title is For Coloured Girls. And I yeah. thought, I was like, oh, this is really interesting, um, but this is not for me. And I don't really understand the plight of these women or their experiences. Um, so, but like, this is like, this is in the middle. This is just about between like impoverished or working class young people just mm-hmm. struggling to survive and make their way, which I guess is universal, or not universal, but it, it is relatable to people like you and I. I mean, the Atlanta situation and what's going on in Atlanta, we really can't understand that whole socioeconomic situation yeah. that's very it's similarities i guess to australia but it's, it's a, probably a, to a bigger extent in the United States. and i don't understand enough about it to even be saying that mm. probably my only experience of atlanta is the real housewives of atlanta which is right. my favorite real housewives franchise oh there you go but how many of those are there how many franchises yeah real housewives. oh approximately ten thousand. Okay, i think cool. there's a lot <laughs> well so atlanta being number one is a big deal yeah it's i mean it's the best it's it's you can't dispute that it's it's amazing. One of the things I wanted to bring up was something that I found really interesting about this show. Is a, it, I'm starting to see a bit of a trend, and maybe this has got just do got more to do with our generation starting to take the reins creatively in a few ways. I'm starting to recognise this, but it's the idea of certain groups or of people or minorities or people from certain backgrounds who are starting to get a bit of a voice on television. Mm-hmm. And the two examples that came to mind specifically were. Master of None, which is Aziz Ansari's Netflix series, which is very much about the immigrant or second-generation American experience, which I think is more accessible overall than than Atlanta is. Um, And then Girls is the other one that comes to mind, which is a very raw and sort of real look, Mm. I think, at young women in sort of this millennial young women age, which to me is way more inaccessible. I've tried <laughs> to watch that show and had a really hard time because I don't n- have that experience whatsoever. Right. I'm really... See, I watched and I was like, I know that girl. I know that girl. I'm not friends with them, but I know those girls. Right. And I, I might have known those girls, but I guess maybe being a guy, it was easier to not really know those girls, if you know yeah. what I mean, or to never have to have them be a part of my life. Well, so I think I, like with girls, like their toxicity just seems really directed at one another mm. generally. So unfortunately that tends to happen with young women as well. They tend to direct their toxicity at one another. 
So as a man on the outside, you probably were experiencing a completely different world. Yeah. Right. And so um, I respect girls a lot. I, I respect a lot of what Lena Dunham's doing. Heard it show. here first. Broad respects girls. <laughs> I respect that show a lot, but I, it, I, it's never really grabbed me because it's not for me. And I don't have, that's fine. Like, yeah. there's nothing, I'm not critical of that at all. I just know it's not for me. Mm-hmm. It's not my show. Somewhere, and in between those two, Master of None and Girls is where I find Atlanta sits for me. Except I think Atlanta might be even more sharply written and way better performed than Master of None is. Um, which I quite enjoyed Master of None, but I think Atlanta might be a better show overall, personally. Um, but even still, the point is, it's, it was interesting to see this. It really felt very early on. It's like, oh, this is another one of those shows. Another one of those shows where someone's taken like the broad idea of a drama slash comedy about someone, a, almost like a sitcom type thing, yeah. but made it very much a real, real inverted commas, look at yeah. this specific under yeah. It's really skewed to a specific perspective. Perspective is the word. Whereas like a broad sitcom, it's like, oh, so like anyone can sit down and watch this show pretty much. Whereas these shows are kind of like either you get it or you don't. And like these people are making it with their own like uh, sense of what they're doing, Mm -hmm. a very clear sense of what they're doing. And yeah, either you're on board or you're not. Which yeah, Atlanta definitely falls into that category. Would you compare those shows that I mentioned to Landers? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, I, I can. I can see where the comparison is coming from. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think. I think I would. It was interesting that you brought up Master of None because as I was reading articles about Atlanta, um, it, it, this word that I'd never heard before kept coming up, which is, uh, I think it's Clapter. 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 How's it spelled? C L A P T E R. I think that's right. Um, I couldn't be. Pro- I'm just. I was like, how else could that be pronounced? <laughs> Slapda? No. Um, and it's in reference to a joke, whether it's in a show or in a stand-up, that people find funny or respond to positively because of its politics, rather than how successful or how good the actual joke is. Okay. Um, and so when I was reading about, it, a lot of people. Um, a lot, yeah. A few people were yeah comparing those two things and how uh, Master of None um, was a bit more directed to an audience that responds with clapter as opposed to laughter, and they were saying that um, Atlanta wasn't doing that. It was kind of separating itself from politics and just showing what was. I, I, guess. I think I think what Atlanta does well is it probably is talking about a lot of different issues, including political issues, but doing so in a way that keeps it, it... I don't think it ever gets to the point of being, like, expositional. It feels apolitical to me. Like, it just shows, like, a reality without ever taking a stance. Like, well, this is just... Like, when, mm. I, when I see, like, images of, like, violence and stuff, it's never like, oh, my goodness, I've just seen someone being shot or, like, a mentally ill person be, like, slugged in the face by a police officer. It's just like... This is reality, and I'm like, there's no stance being taken at all. Oh. You, as an audience member, might like project, like, oh, that's awful, or oh, that's wrong, or oh my gosh, that's such a violent existence. But I don't think the show is saying that at all. Oh, I disagree with that. I think mm. I think that example, particularly of the the way that's shot and the way that's edited, the moment you're talking about where the mentally ill man gets slugged by police officers, is making a very direct political statement at that point. But then you just see everyone else in the room just kind of like sitting there. But that's part of the political statement, is that they've seen it so often, like this has become such the norm, 
that they only react to a certain extent. No one's intervening because why intervene? You're just going to end up in the same situation. They yeah, see right. it all the time. That was part of the political statement there. I think the difference right. is no one had to say, oh, why is anyone doing anything about this? Somebody help him. Exactly. Yeah, right. That's the difference. Yeah, okay. The the difference is it never gets to the point of being expositional or or having to be overt about it. I think another good example is the one um, where, is it Darius is the name of the, mm-hmm. their friend? The stoner, I yeah. freaking loved. In, He's fantastic. Inside, like in the first episode, I was like, this character is already my favorite character. <laughs> this guy's great. Um, he has the bit where he goes to a shooting gallery or a shooting range. Yeah, that's really good. And puts up a... Uh, poster of a dog to shoot. Everyone else is shooting like mm. people looking things. Yeah. And then there's this really interesting confrontation between a white man and him because he's like, you can't shoot a dog. Yeah. And then he's like, why like, not? Why would I shoot a person? You're shooting yeah. people. <laughs> like you're shooting. And then these other yeah. guys come in who yeah. look like they're Middle Eastern descent yeah. of some description. And they're is saying. Is that representation like, like insulting? Because when they're Middle Eastern um, and then they start talking about like a rise from within. America and stuff. But clearly, like, some sort of, like, terrorist shit going on. And Darius is like, listen, I wouldn't go that yeah, far. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not saying that. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. But he's like, it's... See, all those things I think are really interesting because they're slightly more subtle. There's never... It's mm. like, he never says... He never even has a discussion with anybody about yeah. what happened it's there. It's never, like, an he after just school gets, special about, like, yeah. He just race. gets kicked out. Yeah. Whereas I think Master of None, as much as that stuff was interesting, they were directly talking about how I can't get, if I get cast in a thing, I always mm. have to put on my Indian accent. Yeah. Like that was the entire point of it. Yeah. And they were talking about representation on television explicitly and yeah. directly. Yeah. Whereas Atlanta is doing those mm. things, but it's much more, it do, It feels more real in a sense, even though this is an absurd world at times. Yeah. Because it's, they never have to like, mm have the conversation. Yeah. And I, well, I think like in a lot of instances, particularly the one at the gun range, it's really, really good. There are other ones that they're so not saying anything directly that it becomes like, what are you saying? The, the bad is, episode, the episode called BAD, I think is the best example of this. Isn't it B-A-N? B-A-N, sorry, yeah. BAN. Sorry, yeah, that's right, yeah. what I'm talking about. That is, that is a really fascinating episode because I was having a hard time keeping up with it at times. Yeah. It takes both sides of that argument at times. Yes, it does. Between talking about the, uh, the ability, so they are both pro, like, seemingly pro, um, like, gender transition and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. At times, it seems. Yeah. Then at times, they're arguing that that's weird, or that at least you have the right to say that it's weird, or mm-hmm. that maybe you have the right to be worried about your shit before you're worried about someone else's stuff. Yeah. And then they have an, a one where they're talking about the idea of like racial transition and how that just doesn't that's make when any sense at all. Get very confused. And it's like, yeah. But and I don't know what its position is, but I also don't think I have to, and that it was in that. In and of itself, I'm just stealing this. I'm stealing that from you, by yeah, the you way. Are. I've fine. taken that way more often, used it way more often than you have now. That I can come away, and that's like we can have a, a two hour discussion about that episode by itself. Yeah. About its different positions it's taking at any one moment. It's so interesting. Mm. And I don't always agree with everything it's saying. Yeah. But sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. And I don't really know. I haven't decided on why on all of it. Yeah. Some things I'm still figuring out whether it's... I agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. It is. It really is. In a really, and yet it's entertaining at the same time. That's what's really cool is it can have all of that and still be super fun to watch. What did you think about that trans Rachel thing? 
I it's I think it's a really interesting point it's making. Like I think that is a line that people would draw. Mm. That it it would seem racist for someone to or a betrayal of something to want to be a different race to try and make that transition. So the idea that you Well, you remember that born, woman that um said she was black and she wasn't? Do you remember her? I don't know. Oh. I don't know about this. Anyway, she worked for um a whole bunch of like, you know, Black organisations, all these things. She had. Um, oh yes, I do remember yeah, tan this. And, like, yeah, yeah. curly hair. Yeah, that's and right. Yeah. Like positing herself as a black woman. Yes. She was not. She was completely white. Yes. Um, like as white as I am, and I'm practically Casper over here. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think it's <laughs> when you align um, trans people with something like someone being trans or racial. Yep. Without exploring that or like positioning transracial as something absurd i think you're going into like kind of really murky almost dangerous territory well it's interesting because particularly because that you know that group of people trans people experience so much like aggression and violence totally yes yes and they talk about that though they talk about like whether like they have the talk about whether paperboy Mm. albert is pro trans or not, whether he's got he's homophobic or whether he's transphobic. Mm. And he's arguing he's not. And they're arguing that his lyrics suggest he is. Yeah. And then he's saying, but I just don't care about that stuff because I've got my own shit to, to care about. Yeah. And then he's arguing... He's like, I'm not taking. I'm not talking about taking away people's rights. I'm just saying he's, that... Yeah. He says explicitly, yeah. be whatever you want to be. I don't care what you want to be. You can do, do... You do you, essentially. Yeah. But they do come down on the side that the transracial thing is weird. Yeah. And I just think it's an interesting... Thing and I don't, I don't have a position on this at this stage, right? Position on on whether the idea of transracial makes oh. sense or not, because it is an interesting dichotomy, right? If you compare the two, I'm not. This is not. I am definitely yeah. trans. I'm pro transsexual or transgender yeah. or whatever. But there right? is there is no difference, other than like the color of your skin in your like personhood. Whereas if you have a different gender. You like either have like breasts or a penis, and that is traumatic for the mind to experience. But would it be traumatic for me to look down and see black skin? No. Would I then like experience the world differently because of the culture I live in? Yes, that's true. Yes. So in that way, it's like it's very different. Yeah. It. I. I just think it's really it's an interesting thing to look at and discuss yeah. why why I'm not again, but it develops into this conversation yeah. which is really interesting though <laughs> yeah. and it's like why is and i think you explained it perfectly well why there is a big difference yeah. but let's look at, on at maybe the way they're approaching it for a second why is if i'm born a woman okay are we pro them deciding they're actually a man but if you're born black the idea of you wanting to be white which is something that's far more you're arguing it's more superficial but i think some people would argue that that matters a lot right yeah right yeah because you're talking about why mm-hmm. gender is such a big deal yeah. because of the differences physically. Well, sex, not gender. Se- sex. Yeah. Okay. I get those two confused sometimes. I'm not yeah, very good at that stuff. Yeah. Um, but then we look, if you're arguing that, that just skin color, well, I think some people would take offense to that. I think they would say that there's more to it than that, both from a negative standpoint and from a pride Absol- standpoint. Absolutely. And so but I think those things minefield. are cultural though. I think those negative things are cultural. Some people would argue the same thing about... Gender, though. No, but I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about the physicality of sex. Sure, is what yeah, I'm yeah, talking yeah. about. Yes. Which is very different than gender. I'm not talking... Remove gender out yeah. of the conversation entirely. 
yeah, I think the negative or positive things to do with race are cultural. They're learned behaviors. Yeah. But the experience of your physical body has nothing to do with culture. Sure, sure, yeah. totally. Anyway, <laughs> the point being, that's a really, I, I think it's cool and interesting and brave. And I think they did a pretty good job of, like, I think, I, I think there'd be a lot of people who would watch that and would take offense to it. Mm. But even they discussed that idea about yeah. whether taking offense to it, of it, to it, having that discussion the way they did is a good or a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that episode is really interesting. Yeah. And it wasn't my favorite episode a second ago, but it's starting to make me think like oh, it really? should be. <laughs> And like the more I talk about, it, the more I want it to be my. Fa- I think it should be my favorite episode yeah, because right. it was so unique. In it that was way. very unique. It was very interesting. Yeah, I, I found myself agreeing a lot with um, what Paperboy was saying, which I didn't expect. Yeah. Um, but then, like when I w- would think about him, when he was like, "Oh, you know, I'm not saying like take away people's rights and stuff," I was like. Well, of course you're not, but like obviously things don't exist in a vacuum. And then when you add yeah. to a dialogue that's already pretty negative against trans people, you're just kind of exacerbating that and that kind of thing. But yeah, it was certainly interesting to watch, that's for sure. And even just the way he was like looking at, he was the guy, the host was trying to take things that had been said in a, in whatever context he wanted to and yeah. throw that and apply that back to him. And then even the woman who is there, like the gender studies mm. um, professor or whatever, the expert who wrote that book, on transition or whatever, mm. it's like even starts agreeing with him for a moment. Just, like, yeah. ah, just the whole thing. Is I just love that they a like the, those the two people that were on the show as guests just kind of like came to an agreement. Like, you know, we we agree. Yeah, we, we agree. agree. And the host is just like, like, oh, there's no drama there. What am I supposed to do with that? I can't yeah, host right. this show without you guys arguing. It's, it's like, and that's reason, interesting. Just talking about reason, that from the media point of view. Yeah, for some reason, like all discussion has to come. Completely be like bipartisan, polar opposites. Yes. Has to be like come from a place of real angry conflict. Like, yeah. no, you can have like a like a rational, still passionate, but a, like a nice, like passionate discussion. It's not coming from a place of anger or yeah. fear. It's just like, let's talk about ideas. And if I, and that way, like, if you come to a place of agree, it's so much easier to find a place of agreement because you're like, oh, no, I, I can, you know give up on that point or like no you win that one it's not just like no you're wrong no you're wrong no you're wrong no shut up which is just pointless but that's tv now isn't it yes well that's a lot of things now that's the way that i mean there's a whole thing about outrage culture and stuff we could talk Mm. about as well and those sorts of things there and the thing about this episode is we haven't even talked about the batshit crazy ads that go along with this (laughs) the dodge ads and that is the nutella man man ad and like I don't remember the, the Teleman ad. What was the, that? So, in episode one, there's the guy who's like spreading his sandwich in the Nutella. Mm. And then like has that weird like, he's like giving insight to Ernie. You wonder if it's a dream or not. And then one of the ads is him like offering oh, this Oh, yes. Book. That's right. Yes. Of oh. course. Yeah. The, yeah. The psychic man that looks like he's from like the 50s. Yeah. He's wearing a oh, brown suit. And he's, oh mm. man. So strange and yeah. so weird. Um, and that's a whole other thing that's going on in that episode anyway. All right. So there's a moment in, um, I can't remember what episode it, it is, but it's when, um, Earn, Earn, I always want to say call him Earl. Earn. My name is Earl. That's not on our list. <laughs> no, it's not. Surprisingly, it's not on our list. Um, Earn is trying to like sneak, it must be the first episode when he's trying to sneak into like the radio station. 
The first he, episode, yeah, yeah. And he like runs into that white guy that he knows. Oh, yeah. The douchebag. Yeah. And he calls him the N-word. Yes. And I was wondering like what, what you thought that was about. That moment. Yeah. And then like when he asked the, the he called you janitor or whatever, yeah. he's like, has, has he called you the N-word? He's like, no, because I'd kick his ass. Yeah. I think it was about, don't know. I, race politics is, again, I'm talking out of my real comfort understanding. Didn't zone. you major in? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> the, I mean, that was just an uncomfortable, like it was, the, it, it reads straight away in that moment that Earn is just like, wait a second, what did you just say sort of thing? It was all yeah. about the idea that a white person can't use that word that gets used very liberally throughout this entire mm-hmm. show yeah. um, between black characters. Yeah. Um, and then it's it's watching Don Glover's reaction mm. and then he's it a second time and you're like, it's still hitting him yeah. like, I can't believe he just said that. <laughs> and then he talks to the janitor guy and he, yeah. and that they yeah. use that. They yeah. bond over that shared experience yeah. to let him in. And then when he gets him to tell the story, yeah. again, I, I think, think he yeah, takes was, out that word explicitly. a perfect way to show like the differences between Ern and his cousin, Alfred or Paperboy. In which I think when you come to... And Donald Glover has spoken about this in the past, about um, kind of like that cultural disconnect or how, I guess, white America like perceives him. Um, him specifically, Donald Glover. Yeah, as being like somewhat separate from black culture or blackness. Right. And I think um, from like what I interpret it, that moment being is... Well, the reason like the white guy doesn't say it to Paperboy is because he's... He fears him, which I think is, as much as it's a negative, it is also like a tool of the black man of like, oh, you fear me. So like, you won't, you won't, you're not going to walk all over me. Cause like, there's a part of you that's been told to be afraid of black men. Whereas from that moment, we learn that Ern has been almost, I mean, he was accepted into Princeton. He's been like accepted into white society and is therefore like, oh, I don't have to be afraid of you because you're pretty much just one of us and I can say what I want. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. Yeah. If, even if it wasn't that directly the idea that he just knows Earl and knows the janitor, Earn. therefore he thinks, Earn, say, I did it. <laughs> this is the whole Hank Walt thing again. Yeah, it is. Um, he knows Earn and knows the janitor and therefore, for whatever reason, because he's chummy with them, he thinks he can say that and it's mm. okay. Either but he way. wouldn't say it to the janitor. But he did say it to the janitor. The janitor said, yeah, he did does say that. No, he doesn't. No, he not no that's the agree? opposite. The janitor's like, no, he didn't say that to me because I'd kick his ass. Oh, that's right. You're right. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. I'm wrong. You're right. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, it's interesting when... Because obviously, Ern isn't really the kind of black man that we traditionally are portrayed in TV and film. Um, whereas Paperboy is a little bit more in line with that, I think. Generally, obviously, generally speaking. But I think that's pretty accurate that a lot of the depictions we see of Young black men. Yes, young black men. Yeah, young black men. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And they kind of speak about it a little bit in the show is like, you know, this public persona or stereotype versus like personhood, which I think is something that Paperboy struggles with a little bit. Like he wants wants to be that like rapper and he needs that big like reputation. He talks about like stunting and and all this stuff that I had to Google because I didn't know what it was. What is stunting? I'm not sure that is. Um, It's when you're like pretending i guess to be like like super rich and like you pose with like a a sick ride or whatever when you probably don't have the finances or whatever just to make yourself look good i guess um 
Anyway, and I read this um, article in The Guardian where they were interviewing Donald Glover. It was about his, like, Childish Gambino stuff, but I thought it was kind of relevant to this discussion. Um, And he says, Black men struggle with masculinity so much. The idea that we must always be strong really presses us all down. It keeps us from growing. Black culture is a fight. We want to hold on to what we are, but sometimes the things that we are can be totally negative. You have to think, can't we try something new and not be seen as suspect? Can't we hear the N-word someday and not be upset? If a black person called a white person the N-word, would that help a little? We're fucked up. It's a fucked up situation, but I have to address what's there. I think like maybe that's what he's trying to do, which is like delve a little bit more into like what that stereotype does um, to someone like Paperboy. Or uh, there's, I think there's a lot of like, there's an interesting scene um, where they go to get food um, Paperboy and mm. Darius and the guy, and the guy gives up, him yeah. gives him and like comes up and starts talking to him about how I think it's in the second episode this is mm. and he starts talking about how he's like a, one of the uh, yeah. uh, like real rappers left yeah. you're like an OG rapper he misses Biggie and Tupac but now he's glad that he's there yeah. right and then he's like all of a sudden he's got uh, Paperboy's got cred and he's like mm. getting stuff from this guy he's like getting treated better because of it but he's also being told that he needs to keep being a thug yeah. which I don't think that's really what he wants to be. No. He wants to be a rapper. Um, I, mean, I think we see that in the, like, the Justin Bieber episode where like he like, and that woman, that female journalist explicitly tells him, is like, no, this is the role that you now have to play. That is your role. It's gotten you this far, but like that's the only way that like you could ever be accepted. Yeah. Like, that's, that's who you are. You're the bad guy. You're the one that we want to hate. That's yes. a lot to deal with. And what's interesting though is that perspective is coming from both – she is a white female reporter and he's getting very similar inf- sort of uh, perspective from another black male. That's true, yeah. And that's really interesting when you're talking about like mm. the, that Donald Glover quote. I think it's yeah. partly talking about how it's fucked up from the outside and the inside. Yeah. Like it's fucked up everybody inside this too, what we think we need yeah. to be and what we're expected. What has been upheld as being like the icons of black mm. culture now. If you think of like Tupac and all that sort of stuff and the idea of like violent street gangster rappers, mm. like – that that there are people inside the community that that's what they're yeah well I was, I was what that means for that to be yeah. up, held so high. I mean, it's such a complex issue because obviously, like outside like societal pressures, like force young black men to do certain things and be a certain way totally. and that kind of thing. Um, but I was reading an article, a few articles today about um, media representation and how it affects young black men. And um, obviously, like, as it all representation, of, it affects us all. Um, but, yeah, it's increasingly, like, internalised that belief that, yeah, like, they have very little, um, I'm obviously speaking in generalities, but, like, low expectations of themselves. Yeah. Um, and low expectations of their um, own emotional capacity their own emotional capacity and that kind of thing. Um, so I'm really looking forward to see where this goes in like season two and three and four and stuff. And yeah. Because Paperboy is so – I find him so likable. Totally. I th- He's my f- favourite ca- – like I love Paperboy. Yeah. I really, really like him. I think he's played beautifully. Um, so I'm really looking forward to see where – him playing this role in order to further his career and how that will yeah. actually affect him. I'm really excited to see that. There, I think there's a lot of 
setup and potential in in a lot of those areas. Even just we still don't really feel like I'm seeing the consequences of that apart from what that's societally put expectations on him. The result of him being involved in that shooting at the start. We don't know what happened to the victim or the other guy that was involved in that act. He keeps sort of talking about this general... We keep hearing these weird things that someone's like following him or is trying to communicate with him in some way. There's one bit where they're in a bar. He's like, oh, this guy, we came looking for you. I don't know who the hell he was, but he was waiting for you like from the open of the bar. And we never found out what that was. I don't think we did anyway. I could be wrong about that, but... No, I don't think we did. We didn't. And there's no. a general ominous feeling I, I'm getting that there are some of these chickens coming home to roost eventually. But it wasn't yeah. this season. That's coming later if it happens at all. And then just generally continuing this storyline of as he sort of becomes more prominent yeah. theoretically in the rap scene, what that's going like, to look like. Yeah, we see him become more and more paranoid. And it's like he's, he, there's quite a few times where he's just like, no, this isn't right. And, but no, one, one of those right. times he's totally spot on though. One yeah, of those he times totally is. Yeah. <laughs> being staked out. I mean, well, he, he doesn't expect that, but no. he, he knew something was up. He was yeah, wrong. He's hyper right. aware of like something's going well, on. Well, even, even, even at the start of the show, before, because that they had a flash forward at the start. They this, did, yeah. They I did. Know. I was like, I was watching going, I bet this is a flash forward. Mm-hmm. And then we're like, yeah, it is. Yeah. Though they gave that away because they talked about being deja vu. And it doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't reflect on anything. Darius is just aware that this is a flash yeah. forward, apparently. He's just a stoner who uh, can see things. He sort of sees that he's the arbiter of this show. Yeah. Um, the, but yeah, even so, so before that, when you flash back, when Urn goes over to, Albert's place for the first time. Darius has got a knife and is ready to like stab him. That's right. <laughs> they are already yeah. paranoid, and nothing <laughs> bad has really happened yet. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Mm. It, yeah. It must be so stressful to sell drugs. Oh You're yeah. He's gonna be stressed all the time. It's not the life for me. Thank you very much. Just to butt in on your stuff for a second here. Mm. What your I think this is a ob- uh, good place just to go somewhere I wanted to go, which is the idea of the likability of our main characters and that. You were saying that Paperboy slash Albert is, um, he is like the perceived as the thug, but he's probably the one that you find most likable. You know, yeah, he's definitely. there's there's a a sweetness or an innocence to him underneath all that. I think to some degree, which yeah, is I don't a- know. Yeah, there's not innocence, but there's like this childlike nature about him, and he yeah. just like. I'm, he's acted so beautifully that like you can see when he's like disappointed yeah. and you see like how, how crushed he is and then like he gets super excited about things. Yeah, I, th- I think he's really So sweet. on the flip side of that, you've got Earn, yeah. who I think in a lot of ways is very unlikable. He is, but he's like... I didn't like, connect with Earn at all. He's hard to connect to. He yeah. is, I think he's played beautifully and I find him fascinating, but I didn't connect with him as a human being apart from the fact that he is homeless and that he he's living with his lover ex-lover sort of situation mm. who is the mother of his daughter and that he's struggling financially like that stuff all resonates with me but he's also still a selfish douchebag so much of the time like i don't know with with Ern, i struggle because like I, I finished the season i was like i don't actually know who you are and i don't know if that's just donald glover playing his character with like some sort of like depression and so he's just like so with like withholding i've heard before i even started the show the suggestion that he's a little bit like on the spectrum that earn is meant to be played a little bit yeah he's a little bit on like the asperger's yeah i I didn't get that because he was able to like connect to people and understand them and their motivations he just 
he just didn't seem that interested. Like he he seemed depressed to me. Like he was kind of floating through his life a little bit in the way that a depressed person does. It, yes, except he seems to be out to like he's motivated to mm. do things. Like he the first thing yeah, that he happens He wants to make money. Yeah. He does and he's will do what he can to do it or what he thinks he's capable of doing to do it. Um, that I, I kind of just I was waiting for that insight in Earn that I never got. The people around him definitely end up being the more interesting. This is true of a lot of shows, unfortunately, where the lead ends up being the least interesting person. I just mm-hmm. I still think he's interesting. I just don't think he's I just don't think he's likable necessarily. Right. I just um, I just need to know more. He got. I mean, some of the two of the best episodes barely have him in it. Mm. I I love the van episode. Oh, that's I was about to give a spoiler for. Well, I guess I just did. It's my favorite episode. Right. That yeah. was that's my favorite episode. Value that's what I have yeah. that down in my list, but I might change it actually now that I think about it more. But I love that episode. Mm-hmm. He is a bit part in that episode. And the episode after Ben that we were talking about earlier, he is mentioned but never seen. Yeah. Paperboy talks to him from behind at beyond the camera, like but he's never on screen. Yeah. And that's I think that speaks volumes about who maybe the real character, main character of the show is or that the, it's called the show. Well, that was something else I want to talk about. The the format fluidity of this show is cool. Sometimes it has a fairly, has a strong structure. Sometimes mm-hmm. we have like an A, B and C plot that might be Earn and Paperboy and Darius. And yeah. sometimes it's the three of them on one adventure. Sometimes the last episode basically just follows Earn. Then you've got the episode value, which is following Va- uh, Van exclusively, which is mm-hmm. great. And yeah, it was an awesome. It. it was cool to see it because she wasn't getting as much screen time at the time at that stage, but she was an interesting character. So to give her a whole episode just to like, let's follow her for a bit. Mm-hmm. And her experience as a black woman mm. was really interesting as a, and a mother who's trying to provide and be a teacher and all those sorts of yeah. things was really cool. And then, and then ban, which is just off the wall, completely <laughs> different to anything else that's come before it. That's cool that you can do that in your first season. I love that Donald Glover and, and the I people mean, making the show any- can do that time to do it it would be your first season because if you're doing it in season five people are like what the fuck i think you can i disagree i think you can start to bend the rules a bit but i think i think community is a good example of this and i wonder if this is where right. donald glover, glover learned some of this mm. you set the expectation that you can do some bits of weirdness and there's those elements in this show too just elements of the weird elements that are a little bit off kilter but you don't go big until you have the audience hooked in on board already i would I would say there aren't many shows like Buffy didn't do its musical episode until season five, six, season six. Do you know what I mean? Do you think if Jesse Whedon was allowed to, he would have? Just Whedon? Whedon. Whedon? Probably. Well, I think he would want to do it in season one, but I don't think that it would be wise to do it in season one. You know, I don't know if a music, that musical episode of Buffy would have worked like It's a little bit one. more dangerous to do it in season one. It is. And I think yeah. that's pretty brave that they were able to... That, I think it's cool that they were able to do that and have that much format... Mm. Fluidity is the term I came up with yeah, um, that, in that season one. That's pretty. It's, it shows you know what you make, or you're very confident in whatever it is you're making. Yes. Yeah. I think that ban episode kind of it reminded. I think probably just the fake ads, but it really did remind me of Tim and Eric a little bit. I haven't seen like, much Tim and Eric. Oh, I've seen none actually. I think about. It's just like that absurdist humor. It, it remind. Oh, there's certainly absurdity in there. It reminded me of the Rick and Morty episodes where they improv stuff and they just animate it later. Oh, those improv ads, especially because so it's funny. a television <laughs> thing as well. It's all about flicking through like yeah. these like interdimensional 
TV stations, yeah. which made me think of Dan Harmon, which obviously connects back to mm. um, that Donald Glover. That movie trailer will always be funny. The one about two brothers. Yeah. <laughs> Just two brothers. Oh. There's a movie coming out soon called Two Brothers. Is there? Yes. <laughs> if you haven't um, seen what we're talking about, what, what would they YouTube to look at that? Rick and Morty, oh. two brothers, just maybe. Rick and Morty, that. two brothers, probably. Yeah, work. Uh, just watch it; it's hilarious, and then go back and watch all of Rick and Morty. We'll we'll do that on a rewatch one day. Yeah, we will, we will. But Rick until then, watch this, and then by the time we get around to it, you can rewatch it with us. We might even do. We should probably do Rick and Morty season three, just as part of like a what's currently airing when it comes out. That's Fuck a good the first idea. two seasons. Yeah. <laughs> it's just when these shows we love come out, we can just talk about them. Yeah, I mean that's probably what's going to have to happen. Yes. I think. Um. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, no. So the fluidity. I'm trying to think of like another show that I can think of that the, does did that in season one. Oh my god, I can't think of any. I because th- I think it's a thing that you start to do later on. Like mm. it's not until other than community. What what else have you got? I, I think a lot of shows get there at some point. Like even Parks and Rec got to that episode. There's the one where Andy is doing his show. Yeah, show. That's in the final season, right? Yeah. And that's so much later. It's mm. it's one of those things that you work your way up to all the time. Either you start that shit crazy or you slowly get yes, there. Right. And this gets there. I don't think it starts there, but it gets there within the first season. I think that's kind of cool and brave. And I look like it makes me really excited that there might be a band two or other similar type. Like, that's something that excites me about season two is what batshit crazy is, stuff will they that do. That is exciting to think that like you can, you know, be marathoning it like we are when we're watching season two and like, like, as you like start the next episode, you have no idea what it's going to be. Yes. Like no idea, like even like the tone it's going to take really. Like what is it? Which is it's pretty exciting. I wonder if it's a really, really different experience watching it week to week as opposed to marathoning it like we did. I imagine it would have been. It would have been a really weird episode. I think those two in a row, they come one after the other. Value and Ban both come one after the other. And if the week before that, I was, well, I think it was the Justin Bieber episode or something like that. I can't remember which one it was. Mm. But to go from that one to just a van episode to an episode that's set on like a black television station with a bunch of surreal ads in it would have been like, what the fuck show am I? Wa-? This isn't what I thought I was getting. Yeah, right. So the BAN episode ban was the second lowest rated. What um, was the lowest rated? Uh, Juneteenth. Juneteenth is yep, lowest rated. Yeah. So, but they most episodes were less than a million, except for the first and third episodes. Well, that's interesting because the first and the second episode, I'm pretty sure, premiered at the same time. The way yeah, that's yeah, they were yeah. they were on the same day, um, and so, so it started stronger and then lost some of its thing. But that's normal for uh, any show mm-hmm. is to peak at its season opening and then. To lose, have a lull. To to start, yeah, it will lose people as it goes along. Right. The question is whether it can come back and start to build that audience in like season two, or as it mm. gets further into it. Only ten episodes. Like it was I feel like now months. they've won like Golden Globes and stuff. People will come with season two. They like I will. Like I hadn't heard anything about it until they won Golden Globes. It's still. I mean, I think it's still a niche show in a lot of mm. ways because it's not going to appeal to an awful lot of people. Yeah, of course. I would just hope that they're. Ratings in season two will be a little bit better than they. I are would hope here. so too. We're not going to and Don Glover will be an even bigger star than he is now. He'll be Lando Calrissian by then. That's true. Like, That's a really good point. 2018 yeah. is going to be an interesting year for him. Busy, busy boy. Busy, busy boy. Who knows mm. what he's going to do with his music in that time as well? Like, 
He's well, a rising well, star. Well, he said when he was riding the first season, he'd like be riding with the rest of the riders during the day and then during the night he would make music. Wow. So, ridiculous. <laughs> Don't, uh, now, that's a work ethic. Dan Harmon has always said he his work ethic was ridiculous. He was the hardest working person on that mm. show. Always it was, was. It was really sweet. Uh, I was reading an interview with him and um, the journalist speaking to him was asking if he like took any because um, he's obviously like head writer or whatever running the show we took anything from like watching Tina Fey or Dan Harmon and stuff and he just like just ab- in love with Tina Fey and like her work ethic and then yep. she, yeah and her style of running a show it was really sweet actually oh, that's he, was, cool. he was gushing about her yeah, there's it a lot lovely. to learn from Dan Harmon about how not to run a show I have heard that, yes. Yes. As much <laughs> as I think he's a genius, he doesn't sound like he's easy to work with. Yeah, I've tried not to read a whole lot on Dan Harmon just because I love what he does, but I don't want to dislike him because of his personality, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, his yeah. eccentricities. Eccentricities? Eccentricities. Eccentricities, yeah. thank you. Yes, yeah. Because he was fired from the Sarah Silverman program. Yeah, he was. Yeah. But like, <laughs> that's like, he also made... The Monster House, whatever that thing was called, and is like swimming oh, in moons. Oh, did he that. make that? He wrote it. Yeah, that's like his. That's like his like gem. That's like the. That's where his <gasps> fortune comes from. Is that? I love that. That's him. Oh, that's I him and Rob no Schraub. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Because I like randomly watched it on TV one day, and I was like, "What was this?" And I was like, "Yeah, wow, that, this is really good." That's them. Wow. He's always been a genius. He's just been impossible to work with. Yeah, I mean, I've never denied his genius. I just, yeah, I've just heard bad things. Those people are fascinating, though. It's like Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs is a grade A asshole, or mm. was a grade A asshole. He also got shit done, and like, you can't necessarily like the guy or even respect his way he worked, but you can respect that he knew how to make a product. Like, yeah, oh, I don't know. There's. There's things to be learned from there. There's things. There's lessons to be learned, both for the positive and the negative. What to do and what not to do. I think in all those people. Yeah, and also just like that, it takes all sorts to like create something. Like sometimes you need people like that who are just like, "This is what we're doing," and and your end product is something like community, which is amazing. That, it wasn't that he was doing. This is what we're doing. It was that he was late getting scripts in. It's that. <laughs> That's his thing. He was just like was they were like credit, was they were like writing and like feeding scripts to the to to the actors because they were still writing the scenes for the episode they had to film. Oh, like he dear. was really slow at getting stuff out, but he's like a perfectionist, uh, and so he'll stay behind and work his ass off until like midnight and stuff like that. But he'll also have actors on set who are waiting for script pages to come in and stuff like that. That was his problem. Is that oh, he's okay. like brilliant and kind of too pedantic to be functional and he hates notes and like all that sort of like he's just yeah sounds like he, he hates need, authority and yeah, all this he sort needs of stuff. like a partner who he respects who's like nah that's it bam this is why i think rick and morty works him and justin Roiland, for whatever reason work as a team yeah, okay, right. there is a dynamic there i think it's partly because justin Roiland is the batshit and crazy crazy one he's the one that comes up with the weird ideas and dan uh, Harmon comes in this is my, this is by the yeah. speculation by the way yeah. but he comes in and sort of goes well, we can sort of he form this. He gets to play ringmaster and like, yeah, yeah, almost right. edit it. And like mm-hmm. he turns that into something that works as a story. It keeps Justin Roiland's complete insanity in there. <laughs> but then because he's such a master of storytelling, Dan Harmon turns that into a really affecting story. And then it just goes away and gets turned into an animation. He doesn't think about it for eight months. He's probably writing the next season already. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that's helpful. And so, that's, so he doesn't even have to be there for that side of production, yeah. which is kind of interesting too. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're way off topic. <laughs> Something I did want to talk about though as yeah. well. Or just sort of go back to what we were saying about the format fluidity and how it, it's unexpected or we don't know where it's going to go. Something else they build into the show is just this occasionally they will just throw in this complete weirdness out of nowhere. Or they might even build an episode around it. But it's just like, so why why do we make this choice? What is going on in this universe where we've got... An invisible car. An invisible car. <laughs> a guy who runs over uh, people in his invisible car. Yeah. We have black Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. We have, like, not even just like, oh, this guy's like Justin Bieber, but black. No, no Justin Bieber Justin is Bieber. black yeah. in this universe. Mm-hmm. We've got the Nutella guy who, on this bus, who... I don't know what's going on there. Like, I, I thought it was a dream, but then he leaves Nutella behind. Then he shows up in the ads at the end. He does talk about being someone that you might see in your dreams and stuff like that. But anyway, that's just in there. That's weird. Um, then there's people dressed as cows, which I don't know what's going on there as well. Oh, in the last that's episode. actually because I looked that up as well. I'm like, why would people dress like cows? That's a real thing. It's um, the Chick Fil A. They have a cow appreciation day, and so people dress up as cows, and they think they get a free chicken sandwich. I don't know, America's weird, but that's apparently that's what they do. So, there you go. It's a real thing. That's a bit disappointing. That was that simple an answer. <laughs> yeah, I was like, ooh, this is like quite Lynchian. What's going on here? I was like, oh no, it's just America. Don't use that name around here. <laughs> that is yeah, a banned term in these parts. No, it's not. Dead Like Me is way worse. Lynch is fine. We just don't get it. It's I rated fine. Dead Like Me higher than, than Twin Peaks, just so you know. That's so. That's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. The the point I'm getting to is that you mix that sort of format fluidity with that eccentric weirdness. I don't know. This show could go anywhere. It can turn into a sci-fi. When he went, when I, I'm legitimate for a second. This yeah. is the dumbest thing ever, right? But because of the way the episode starts with the whole deja vu thing, where mm-hmm. like, um, I've forgotten the character's name all of a sudden. Where Darius is yeah. like, "Ooh, this is weird deja vu," and points out. Like has like a matrix moment where he like points the out the second the black the dog right, yeah. And like when Ern was going to his lockup, his like storage thing, like mm. uh, okay, so that's where he lives. That's that was a revelation of sorts. Yeah, I was expecting there like, to be like a time machine or something in there. Like I was like, <laughs> I wonder if that's what this is going to be. That'd be awesome. Like I, I said, I seriously for a second thought, what if it's like something crazy? Like what if there's a Stargate in there yeah. or something like that? Because. It could happen yeah. because of the way they make the show. Yeah. Well, I thought there there was going to be some sort of like mystic or ethereal or supernatural element to the show because, like, yeah, Darius has that 
deja vu moment with the dog. And then when we see the um, mystical man on the bus and he gets off and he walks into the forest, there's a dog there as well. I'm like, yes. what is this? Yeah. Oh, it doesn't, nothing happens. Um, not yet in, anyway. Yeah, not yet. That's the thing. I, I hope something happens. I hope it does too yeah. because it's just intriguing enough and it's not getting in the way of what everything else it's doing, right? It was interesting because I panicked a little bit when Lauren said on the last podcast that, that Don Glover referred to this as Black Twin Peaks. Yeah. No, I, Twin Peaks with rappers. Twin Peaks with rappers. Yeah. Sorry, thank you. And like it's it's not. It's no, not that at all. It's, it's not. But I can see why there were Twin Peaks in elements in there. There are some very strange oddities in there, some choices that are made that are really off the wall and come from not just left field, but like somewhere way over there. Way <laughs> out, I, like you could never see Another that coming. Realm. Another realm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I can sort of see it, but, they're, but they're not at the forefront. That's not the point of the show, if you know what I mean. Um, but it makes me intrigued for what they might do with that because mm. the things they have done so far where they've taken some of those ideas in, in and expanded upon them have been great. Well, it'll be interesting because like, I know they like completed the first four episodes and then like released them to some like some media and stuff and journalists and that kind of thing. I'm wondering if some of those ideas like the deja vu and the dog and that kind of thing maybe were left behind as they progressed with the show. And like we can still do some weird stuff, but it maybe isn't going to be quite maybe as tied in or about um, – Earn having some sort of fairy godfather. It's quite possible. It's hard to know. It's really hard to know in a lot of white cases what this stuff means. Yeah. It's very, very common for a show to release its first three, four episodes to journalists first mm-hmm. because they want them to get ahead on the writing, on like reviewing and stuff yeah. like that so that they can build a discussion around the show. Westworld, Joanna Robinson, who was on the Decoding Westworld podcast I listened to, she'd seen the first four episodes mm. well before they'd aired. But have they like also like either started filming or made the rest That's of the what season? we don't know. Yeah, okay. And it's uh, it's hard to know whether it was one of those shows that was being written as they went. I would argue that mm. because of the short length of the show, probably not. And also because releasing those first, first four episodes of journalists, the journalists are often under embargo. They can't actually talk about those things except in vagueness. Yeah, They can't talk specifics until the show starts airing, at which point it's too late. The, so... Community, going back to this, I, I know way too much about the way the show was made just because it was always interesting to me, right? But that was a show where as it was being released, they were able to course correct a few things or change course based off the reaction. So in season two, Pierce is basically the bad guy, right? Through a lot of that season, which was a great place to take Chevy, Chevy Taste and that character. Yeah. Um, but they found out somewhere along the line that people weren't liking that, that they didn't like that, Pierce was a bad guy. They wanted him to be, as I think Dan Harmon calls it, like like your sort of dumb racist grandpa, basically. Boo. Which sucks because I think yeah. he was great in season two as the bad guy. He was is that his, when they do the D and D episode? Or that, is that is later? like without a doubt one of my favorite episodes yeah, of me Pierce's too. exact like not just my favorite episodes of Community, one of my favorite episodes of television ever. And Pierce acts as the villain so well is in that. Is that season two though? That is season yeah, two. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's incredible, that episode. Right. And they are doing such interesting things with him and they never, ever... And Dan Harmon to this day is still like he's glad he made the decision because it's what the show needs to succeed. Like he made the right decision, but he still laments that Pierce never got to be as interesting ever again. He just became, you know, 
sort of senile grandpa after that. Yeah, no episode of television from what I can recall has ever made me as angry as that D&D episode did. How angry you were with Pierce? Yeah, I was furious. But how much do you love when they succeed over him at the end? Like, how fantastic is that moment? Oh, such good television. (laughs) But yeah, so that's a show because of the way... Because it's a sitcom, it's cheap to... Cheap, theoretically. It's in a studio. You've got a lot more control over, like, things can be turned around inside a week. As I said, Dan Hum was writing scripts and they were filming them in the same moment nearly. Um, that they could actually... And because it's a 22-episode season, they could actually respond to criticism as they went. Um, I, don't, I don't think this show was... I get the feeling this whole season would have been at least in the editing phase, post-production phase, by the time that any journalist saw yeah, it. Right. They would have, if not, they were real close to finishing the last episode. But uh, the idea that even in the writing process, they sort of started to move away. That's true, though, because I think I read somewhere, and maybe he was just being a little facetious. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, we were speaking to a journalist, and the journalist was saying how you know talking about the first four episodes, and he looks forward to like the rest of the season and that kind of thing. And Don Glover then went on to say that like. Oh, it's all a ruse. There actually isn't any rest of the season because we haven't done it yet. Like, it's all a facade. Like, yeah. So, I'm not sure that they had done it. Hmm, okay. I have to see that quote in context yeah. to figure out what that what he was going for then. Because it's very common for a show to have a pilot, mm. right? And then they give that to the student. The studio says, okay, go make eight more of these. And then you go and make eight more of these. The idea that they would have been enough to make four seems like a weird number to me. But what do I know? I'm not a fucking TV executive. I don't yeah. know this stuff. I mean, it was, yeah, it, he, he wasn't implying that they were only like like a pilot where you, like, you make your part and then the, they, whatever, they decide whether it's good enough. It wasn't like, oh, we'll give you four episodes and then you may not make the rest. It was always going to be. But they'd only written, filmed and edited four episodes at that stage? That seems weird. I don't know about filmed, but the only, like, the only finished product was those first four episodes. It seems weird to me that you would have written, filmed and edited four episodes and then say we haven't done any of the rest if you hadn't not written, not filmed and not edited the other episodes. Does that make sense? No, can you repeat that? So I'm just saying it's it, feel, it feels weird. I, I don't know. The, the phrasing that you came up with in, from that quote yeah. is that they hadn't at least filmed the rest of the show yet. Yeah. And it seems weird to... the From a production standpoint, I think it seems weird like, to... Like, why me- would you pause production? Why like, would wouldn't you, that be expensive? Why would you, yeah, pause production mm. to polish four episodes if you haven't got around... And, and then go and film the rest of it later. Especially if it's only yeah. a short season. Maybe you just meant, like, edited like, and completed. I think that's yeah. more likely. Yeah. But I'm happy to stand corrected. Please uh, oh, yeah, send me right emails if, if, you know. if you know. If we get directly from Don Glover. Just let you guys know... <laughs> And stop talking about Dan Harmon. It's my show. <laughs> I just have a little question. Well, sure. I've got a couple of little questions. One, did you know who Steve McQueen is as a white man? Yes. Yeah, me too. I knew who he was. As uh, a white man. As a white man. Yes. Um, I was about to make a joke about me being trans, but inappropriate, inappropriate Damask. Um, next question. Did you know what... Juneteenth was. No, I did Me? not. I had never heard of it before. I thought that I, was another weird, I like... I thought it was a joke. I thought it was, like, Black Justin Bieber. It's like, oh, they've just made up, like, a yeah, weird this holiday. Is, in they've this world, there's this, like, the world where the whole world is, like, all music is rap and, like, 
black culture is the biggest thing ever and there's just Juneteenth and this is a day that black people celebrate. Yeah, but then I Googled it and it's, it's a real, real thing <laughs> and it seems really important and like we should know what it is. Yeah, well, we, sh- well, we should, inverted mm. commas, we're also um, Australians. But we know what Thanksgiving is. Yes, but Thanksgiving is a major holiday. Right, it's like. But I feel like June. I know like, it's not because I, I, I researched, but I feel like Juneteenth should be surely. I know what Martin Luther King Day is because I know who Martin Luther King is, mm. but I don't know what day of the year that is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's like there are things that what I know. What day is Thanksgiving on? It's uh, November twenty. November something towards the end of November. I'm pretty sure twenty eighth or something. It feels like on a like like it's every it's like, like last on a Sunday, Thursday or something, something like think. that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I know. I know. It comes between Halloween and Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's in there. Yeah. They've um, had so many fun holidays. Um, yeah. I'm really jealous. Thanksgiving is like you know Thanksgiving is like their Australia Day though. That's a controversial day, right? Yeah. 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 yeah true. Yeah. yeah. Fun holidays. Ha 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 ha. Ha The Genocide. day we. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But I. I think. Because it isn't a day that is widely celebrated, it's certainly not a public holiday. I can see why we don't know about. It. The thing is, I know about like slavery being abolished in the South. I know about the American Civil War. I know about those things. I just don't know about the day that is yeah. specifically put aside for that. I know about Black History Month. I don't remember every year that it's February. Like, nor do I know anything about Black History. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> that's the point. Yeah. But I, 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 yes, it. We. It would be good if we I did like know that. I like that I know about it no, now. So though. do I. Like, thank you, Atlanta. Uh, yeah, thank you for educating me. I don't feel... I feel like I'm glad that I know it. I don't feel really guilty that I didn't know that specifically. That mm. date was a thing. I think like what shocked me was when I read that it was a real thing, that it wasn't widely celebrated, it seems like. Well, I think, oh, no, yeah, the, like I think the joke celebrated. was about how... The joke the show was going for and the reason it seemed weird to you was because how it was being celebrated in that episode. Yeah, that's like, true. Like with all the black white star yeah. and it's like what the fuck is going on here why and is there like a the black surf drink, to back yeah, the weird drink choices oh. it seemed very on the nose yep um yeah all that stuff yeah so that, that, was, that was that was a really good episode though I, that was really good oh, that was such an interesting like the, just the idea that of white like, guy <laughs> just like as as his wife calls it his hobby, hobby with of black, black people, people. Yeah. and like making black people a hobby is really Interesting, and just the way he like, like even the way that he's apologizing all yeah. the way at the end, and like, why are you apologizing? Yeah. It's, like, it's oh. like he's not truly empathizing because he's doing it in a way that like he stops seeing a black person as being like a human being with both dark and light. It's just like you can do no wrong because you're a black person. I'm so sorry for what yeah. black people did to you. Yeah, that and There's also no real connection with black people. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. He's still, like, putting them in the other category. He's just, like, elevating them beyond himself. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Really, really, really interesting. And just the and idea, funny to watch. And just the idea that he just knows more because he, like, has more academic knowledge of, like, the history of black people that he knows more yeah. or seemingly knows more or can tell a black person, oh, you got to go to Africa. Yeah. you got to go to the motherland. I love the bit when he was like, oh, um... You know, do you know like where your family, where your heritage is from? And he's like, and the character of is like, oh no, this spooky thing called slavery happened, and it completely erased my identity. It's like, oh, well, yeah. No, I think right. he was sort of like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. that's right, it that's did. right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, all that, that stuff. That was yeah, very good episode. I really enjoyed that. 
I, mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about Earn's journey, I guess, of like following your dreams, your creative desires versus like the reality of responsibility. Sure. Because I think it's really hard to empathize with Earn because he has a child. Whereas if he was just a, if he and Van were just in a relationship and she was like, oh, you know, I want us to get serious and maybe buy a house. And like, you'd think she was like this, you know, nagging girlfriend that like wants him to give up on his dreams or whatever. Sure. But the fact that like, they are both like working class, obviously like impoverished people Mm -hmm. and he's following his dreams. And unfortunately, like that's not really a luxury in reality that you, kind of can pursue and certainly not full time. So like you're not looking for any other work. It's, so it's incredibly hard, I think, to empathize with that. The best, I mean, the best time this is ever addressed is when, I can't remember which episode it is, but basically he comes home and they've been fighting and he, she's like, uh, Van closed the door and he's, she's with the daughter and he's saying, do you want me to read it? Please do. Cause it's fantastic. Yeah. It's and such is- a good moment. Cause I was thinking what she was thinking in, the inter- in it. Yeah. And when she said, it, I was like, Yes. So I've just I've just got his bullshit. Cool. Yep. Yeah. So this is what he says through the door while she's, you know, looking after their daughter. <clears throat> I know I have a daughter and I know she deserves the best, but I don't think I have to compromise what I want out of life to do that, especially if I think it's going to provide for her. You know me, Van. I can do this. I just got to do it my way. And if you can't do this out of love for me, do this out of love for her. And she just opens the door. She's like, that is some kind of bullshit. She's like, like I think she says, like, that is dumb. Yeah. Like, that is that is dumb. And yeah. I was just like, yes, it, yes is. it is. And I was thinking that as he said what it. What is it that last line of, like, if you do can't it do it for her? her? I'm like, what the what? fuck does yeah. that mean? <laughs> <You> <laughs> Didn't mean anything. But I love that. I, lo- I love yeah. that. I love that it did that. And I love that the show called it. Yeah. Like, it did. It yeah, set itself like, up to call it out. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. I am not some fool. No, no, no. Yeah, no, that's cool. It is. It's, a, it's one of those hard truths. It's like you said, if it was set up that they were like, had already had, he was already, they already had, had the perfect life mm. and like um, that he was somehow being like, yeah, kept away from his ability to follow his dreams or whatever yeah. by her or by the life they created for themselves. But yeah. that's not what this is. No. This is the life that has been thrust upon them to some degree mm-hmm. or we don't I mean we still don't know their history completely but they are in a situation where he just does not have the luxury to be doing that sort of stuff as you said at least not full time he has other responsibilities that come mm-hmm. first it reminds me of a weird thing to bring up weird segue have Ooh. you have you seen Monsters University yes I have I fucking love that film because <laughs> it has the weirdest Disney message of all time but it's also totally true that sometimes <gasps> You just might not have enough natural talent to do the thing that you want to do. Yeah. That Mike wants to be a scarer, but he's just not he can't built to be yeah. a scarer. And he's going to have to accept that and do something else if he wants to be happy. And like after movies, like there are so many movies where it's just like you do it hard enough and you'll reach your dreams. Even freaking La La Land does that. Yeah. Um, there are So to have that message be presented to kids that like sometimes you just go accept that Maybe you just can't be that thing that you want to be so bad yeah. and you got to deal with it. I think like that message that particularly people of our age, it's just been like beaten over the... We've lived through this Disney like, era. Yeah, of just like... Where paupers become princes. you yeah. can be it. You yeah. can be whatever you Mermaids want. Mermaids become humans <laughs> and a, lions become kings yeah. and boys wouldn't... Puppets become wards. I'm, I'm, <laughs> doesn't matter. Beasts can talking. love women. <laughs> 
all that uh, sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, that we can like be whatever we want mm-hmm. and we just have to like truly believe it and believe in ourselves and everything will be okay. That's not the world we live in. And constantly we're told like, oh, millennials, like ugh, they've got no like sense of like no work ethic and they just want success straight away. Like, damn straight we want success straight away because I've told I've been told that if I believe in something, it will just randomly appear in my life. And I'm like, yeah, sweet, happy ending. Goodbye. I read The Secret. If I think about it hard enough, it will happen. <laughs> that's right. But no, no, you're right. And that's why I like that message is because as I think there is room for those sorts of messages that you're talking about, those Disney messages, the idea that you should pursue your dreams and do things that you like doing to a degree. Yeah. There is messages for things like Nemo where, you know, just because you're different doesn't mean you can't do what other people do. Mm-hmm. But I also think we need to balance that message out and go, but there's a limit. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to understand your limits and understand mm-hmm. that you, there are things that you yeah. may not be capable of and that's okay too. Yeah. And, also, like, just because something is your passion doesn't mean it has to be your sole goal. Right. You might need to have to find a balance in things so that you can both pursue a creative aspect or something that makes you happy and also so you can live yeah. in the real world because we live in a capitalist society and you need money. Well, because the, the other side of that discussion, about, especially when it comes to poverty and, like, is the episode where he needs money. He's, like, owes rent, I think, at this stage to Van or some other stuff yeah. going on and he sells his phone at a pawn mm-hmm. shop. But then Darius says, I can get you more money if you swap it out for this sword. Yeah. He takes this sword and he swaps it for a dog. And he takes this dog out to a place and he says, come back in September and that'll make you like several thousand dollars. But he's like... Um, poor people don't have time uh, like, to make investments. They're yeah. busy being poor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have time to make investments. I'm yeah. busy being poor. And that's a bloody good point too. Mm-hmm. It's like he is stuck in a situation where he just... Yeah. So it's funny that he understands that in that moment, mm-hmm. but he has trouble have understanding that situation with Van and with his daughter at the same time. This is I can understand why you're not connecting with him when he's yeah. having these like hy- uh, hypocritical moments. I, I mean that I think that was the one moment where I was like, oh yes, I'm because his vulnerability in that scene is really wonderful to see because it, one just being poor in and of itself is it makes you vulnerable enough. But then to have the added thing of having to then verbalize it to someone else, it just kind of like compounds that vulnerability. And it's like a really scary place to be. And to see someone like go through that on screen, which is really, it's quite rare to see that. You either see like incredibly like impoverished people who are like, you know, on drugs or just like in really rough communities and not something. And I think like it's important to have those portrayals, but that's not something I connect with having someone who's like struggling to survive doing the things that they need to do, but just like just dealing with the stress of that, of like barely being able to live um, and just finally like being like, Oh, like I, I need money. Like I, I can't afford rent. I can't afford food. Like, and he was just like hopeless in that moment. That was just, that was kind of liberating to watch. And then you put that in context with like the fact that so many like people in this world are drug dealers as well, because it's something to do, you put that in the context of all those men who were in prison and all the offenses that they had mm. been were in there for. There was a one guy who told the story about drinking a drink on his porch and being yeah. taken in for public Absurd. intoxication and stuff like yeah. this. And like that system that's around them just to keep them poor and impoverished yeah, and like. Right. And now you've got a record and you can't get a job. So yeah. you've got well, no hope. Then you yeah. look at the van episode, which is all about she 
has weed one night because she's letting loose and she's mm-hmm. t- catching up with, you know, an old friend and it happens to be the day before she has a drug test and she tries... She comes with this great scheme, very clever scheme to it. avoid yeah. it. I loved it too. It felt Breaking Bad, right? Yeah, like, a little bit. Yeah. Like, was, yeah. yeah, she's chemistry, mm-hmm. like genius. <laughs> um, and then when she realized she can't avoid it, she tries to just own up to it, but that gets her fired. Yeah. Like, and she finds out that the system is only there to keep yeah. you on your toes anyway. It's not really there to catch yeah. you. I like, mean, I, and the principal even says like, and obviously she's talking about the kids in the school, but she's saying that like, the system isn't built for them to succeed. Yeah. And that's the same with like poor people. The Absolutely. system is, is not built for you to succeed, particularly in America where you can't really afford um, health, basic things like healthcare. And they're trying to take that um, away from them yeah. still. Your like unemployment checks and stuff are like quite limited. I think it's like a time limit and then you just run out. And also, did I mention education? You can't afford to get a tertiary education, Yeah, which is insane. I mean, that's becoming the case here in Australia in some ways, but yeah. Oh, well, we've got to make sure that it doesn't. Mm. <laughs> we have to try really hard to make sure we don't go the way there, America. There's a whole discussion about the the system in America that we could have that, again, could go on for another six hours about that sort of stuff. Mm. But yeah, it's interesting getting that from a black perspective as well. Yeah. I like that in the show. Um, there was oh, What I wanted to ask actually was what did you think of that ending so the jacket, the final episode, which is really about it's sort of this like fetch quest of, and it's a funny and interesting episode on, just on that level of just Earn trying to track down this jacket, which we find out was mainly because he's got that um, he's got his key to the storage, the storage unit. The unit that he's living in, which we didn't know that detail at that point. Mm. But what did you think about the way that went out? He got the key back. He's sort of having a nice night with Van and they're kind of connecting and she suggests he can stay over and he decides not to and he says he's going to work the next day and then he walks home home to his the storage shed that he's living in and that's the image we left on. What do you think was trying to be communicated at that point? What was the, not just at that final moment but the way they were wrapping that up with him and Van? Like what were they, where were they going with that? I mean, I've, I feel like, I mean, I haven't thought about it a great deal but now that, we're just having this conversation now. I feel like in the season, Van and Earn, they realise that things don't work, but they just have like this compulsion to lean on, jo- on each other, which I think happens when you're really vulnerable and not a great place. You tend to do that to the people closest to you, particularly like old lovers, that kind of thing. You lean on them. And I think now that Earn has a taste of a little bit of, of success, like in that first episode, he talks about like he feels like he's just born to lose, mm. um, and he's like, you know, he's been paid by Paperboy. Um, he's got a bit of a tiny bit of control back, and so he can let go of Van in that way. So he's not completely dependent on her. And but I but I think it's a good place in which like you can walk away from someone so that you have the ability to really make a choice to walk back. You know what I mean? So it's not like, oh, we're here because we have to be. Sure. Um, so that yeah, I think just, you just by him not having to be there, it yeah. actually puts him in a van in a yeah. better place. It, it gives you freedom to actually be in love, to fall in love if that's what you need yeah, to yeah. do with someone. Yeah. It's interesting. I, that's really interesting. It's it's that, the funny side of positivity to what is a depressing image at the end of him living out of a storage shed. But, I, that's, but then I, I saw him hold those $200 notes. I was like, when you're poor, that, that is means so incredible. Much. Yeah. That is yeah, so much hope in just those two bits of paper. Yeah. Mm. 
Why? So you you were no, impressed by I, it? Or? I, I did. I wasn't really sure. You actually just be, yeah. Thank you. You've made, you've given oh, some okay. clarity to that situation. <laughs> I was trying because it was the. It makes sense why he. I mean, obviously, it would have been a big deal if he'd lost the keys to that to the storage shed, where essentially his home. Yeah. But it just. I don't know. It it adds more meaning to why he was so desperate to get that back because it wasn't just where he was living. It was that symbol of the even though it's just a storage shed it was his independence or the hope that goes with you know not having to rely on people anymore which is like the last vestiges of obviously like a life that he has lost like Mm. you see all those boxes and things like clearly there is a history to earn that we don't know yet Mm -hmm. and i think that storage unit is definitely a part of that it's interesting but he might be clawing back towards or trying to build up again yeah um just a moment i loved in that episode too the bit where the police officers have shot the guy that they've been staking out yeah. and then Ern's just like, can you just check, can just, you just check, check his pockets? Yeah. Like, there's, there's a secret pocket. Yeah. You just, <laughs> step away. So, okay. Just walks away. So I just thought that was absurdly funny. That was good. That was good. It's, see, this is how you balance like people dying and comedy. It was something I sort of wanted to talk about a little bit was just, mm. and I think we've sort of gone there anyway, but with all the big ideas and themes that are going on here, we've talked about there's violence and race and racism and po- poverty and masculinity and identity and media and political correctness and blah, 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 blah. There, It doesn't stop being funny either. No, never. It's really good at being funny as and well. I think like adding that absurd element really helps. Really, really helps. Because like while we can, for a lot of the, season we can identify that this is our world but because it has this yeah this really absurd element like someone driving an invisible car yeah it kind of it it breaks you away from like oh no i can breathe a little bit because i'm not actually seeing um the person that lives next door to me or you know someone across an ocean or whatever like it's it's a crazy world um, so I, th- I that definitely helps infuse humor into it. Yeah. And somehow I always just always find that makes things. I don't know. It's hard to explain what it is, but it does make these things more effective. That's just not trying to beat me into submission with feels. You know what I mean? It's also remembers to be entertaining or does give does add that little bit of separation so that I remember it's a television show, but then I can still examine it and mm-hmm. and enjoy it in that well and enjoy it on a deeper level than just yeah. the superficial as well. Cool show. I mean, I think I this like is a, a fantastic show to talk about. Um, and I also, as proved by this podcast, I, d- I actually wasn't sure exactly yeah, how either. long this discussion would go for, <laughs> but it, there's a lot to talk yeah. about. And I think um, if you are watching this season of Atlanta and you're like, uh, there are some things that I, I feel like I can't quite grasp. One, because I'm not American or two, because I'm not a black person or three, I just simply don't live in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I would recommend that people read um, the recaps on Vulture. Oh, they good, um, are they? Yeah, they're, they're very good. They are, I'm just going to bring up his name. Just one second. I chose another hard name. I'm so sorry. Um, but <laughs> So these recaps are written by, how would you say that? The last name. Arsenal. Arsenault? Ar- Arsenault? Arsenault, I think it would be. Arsenault. All right. So, it's written by Michael Arsenault. Um, yes. And he's very good and just kind of gives you some insights that you might not know about. Sure. Yeah. Sure. What's, do we know his background? What, anything about um, Mr. Arsenault? He is, he's a black man. He is a journalist that writes a lot about pop culture and that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. I just briefly looked at his Instagram, so that's all I could kind of gather because I just wanted to know like... 
yeah, who he was. But yeah, no, I, th- I thought they were good. Just a bit of insight. Some great links that he's put in there as well. For nice. Some more information. So I might yeah. have to check those out. That sounds really cool. Yeah. All right. So that was a pretty good conversation. Yeah, like you said earlier, I was kind of nervous that we weren't going to have a lot to talk about. I, I was nervous about just like, am I, is there enough for me to really talk about yeah. with any sort of authority? Not that I think I've got yeah. much authority on anything, but... That's the thing. I mean, I... Well, I mean, we probably should have said this before we said all we said, but we clearly like have such a like a different perspective than the showrunners had, or like we have very little. We are two white Australians. We're two Just, white people. Um, yeah. Not only that, but we live in Australia, and it's a yeah. very different culture. I mean, we've definitely got our own issues of racism over here. Oh, there are there are things that are similarities to what's happening in the United yeah, States, yeah. but but this is very particular. Yeah. Um and so if we're come if you listen to us you're like, "Oh, that's really ignorant. I want to correct them on something." Absolutely do that. Please we, do. Brod and I are always wanting to educate ourselves mm-hmm. about anything. So if you can do that, we're totally open to it. Um all right, so let's start wrapping things up with favorite and least favorite episodes. What is your least favorite episode, Brod? My least favorite episode is episode three, Go For Broke, mainly just because I was having a hard time coming up with one that I didn't... I, I liked all the episodes. There was, there was no one I really disliked. Um, I guess it's funny just thinking about um, talking back to this episode. Like One of the things we never talked about was the bit where Paperboy and Darius went and did like the drug deal and there was the weird guy yeah. who got shot and... Mm-hmm. Like, he should have run Serpentine, but he didn't. And, like, the way there's a couple of things I liked in that episode. I like the moment, I like the whole Darius thing about the him being handcuffed to the suitcase. Oh, yeah. And, like, we can fix that. Yeah. I was like, just so we'll just take the money it. and yeah. uh, you can keep the suitcase. When they were worried about, I'm like, love- wouldn't you just open it? Like, what's the issue? Totally. Yeah. But I just, I just love that it was, yeah, like, set up to good. be a problem that needs solving and it yeah. wasn't. I thought it was really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did like that, the whole thing. With like, I love the opener with Earl, who's trying to order a kid's meal and can't. It's a joke that I've heard. That broke my heart. Yeah, it's a joke I've heard a lot. Like, I remember Hamish and Andy. Like, Hamish used to talk about like kids' meals and stuff like that, right. and how stupid that system is, and blah blah blah. But it's a funny joke, um, mm-hmm. done in a funny way when he takes the diet coke instead of the water, and he's like holding his finger yeah. up, and and it's a good episode. Don't get me wrong. It just was maybe the m- most forgettable. It was very funny, but maybe the least interesting. I don't know. It was. There's nothing wrong with it. Just didn't hit me as hard as the other episodes did. Yeah, cool. Um, and I think that's going to be a theme for least favorites because this is a great season. So yeah. it's kind of like nitpicky. Um, my least favorite was episode four. Can you remind me of the, the name? The Streisand effect. The Streisand effect. Um, mostly because I did not like Zan the vlogger. We weren't meant to like Zan the vlogger. But no, I was in like I felt like he was in the wrong show. I, in that first scene when we first saw him, and he seemed like this really kind of absurd character. I'm like, ooh, that's cool. Yeah. And then just kind of transformed into one note, one joke that I just like didn't really care about. Fair enough. Um, I liked I liked his skits and stuff. I thought they were... I actually love the way they use technology in the show. Instagram and Twitter and like... Uh, not Vine, like YouTube and stuff like yeah. that is really authentic. Like yeah, it's, it's actually like how it works. Super recognisable. Clear, as it's it a clearly a show Snapchat written well. by people who use those platforms. Which apparently it must be rare because I very rarely, if ever, have seen representations of social media like this. I just love the bit in the last episode where Earl is trying to track down his things and they just go through their Snapchats of these. It's like, yeah, that makes total That's sense. That's totally what you would do. <laughs> Absolutely. That was really cool. uh, I know quite a few um, drunken friends that would have to do that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, I just didn't really like Xander the Vlogger and that kind yeah. of side story with Paperboy. 
being angry about a a vlogger. I um, did like the line though. I have to rap. I scare people at ATMs. Yeah, I like, mean that his got to the crux of the issue. His right there. explanation is great, but it's just yeah, I don't know. Didn't really do it for me. And um, although I like the the final scene with Ern and Darius, 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 Darius. Um, I'm also apologize. We, we're just bad at names. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Which is weird because I'm Damascus and he's Broderick, so I feel like <laughs> we should have some sort of empathy there. Um, but yeah, and I I did like that last scene, but the, the whole build up to it. Yeah, yeah, because I was like not very interested in what was happening with Payboy and Zan, and then I was going to Darius and Earn, and that wasn't really interesting to me until the very end. Uh, that sure. episode's got to be my least favorite. Yep. Yeah, fair. So, what was your favorite episode? <sighs> I'm gonna stick with Value being my favorite episode. Because as much as I think Ban is an exceptional episode and that it's interesting and different and I almost talked myself into thinking that was my favourite episode of the season, um, not all the stuff, but as much as I really found the absurd ads interesting, they didn't always, they weren't always effective or hit. The jokes were very jokey at times and like whatever. Whereas I thought value was just, it was great to see that switch up to look at Van and uh, and the female's perspective on this. I thought the conversation with her and her girlfriend was really interesting on their where they've both gone with their lives. I thought the ongoing the stuff with her trying to beat the drug test was good. <laughs> it was just a really like from start to finish, yeah. every scene was engaging and really really cool. And and the actress uh, Zazie Beats B E E T Z. I don't think that was her uh, Christian name when she was born. You don't know that. It could be. I could be wrong. Zazie Beats. I, she was fantastic throughout the whole season. Like she was yeah. really, really exceptional. Not that there were weak performers either. I don't think there was really. It wasn't a, a show with a weak performance really in there. Um, but she was really compelling all the time, and it was a great episode. Like there was just it was slick. It was engaging. It was funny. It was great. Mm-hmm. Great. That's my favorite episode as well. Yeah, and, and you told you spoiled that, <laughs> yeah, so I it's did. a little bit, a bit unfair yeah. going with that. But that was the one I had marked down as being my yeah. favorite episode. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's got it's i'm gonna note that it was directed by donald glover it's got my favorite opening sequence like not a lot happens it's just in the restaurant and everything's white Mm -hmm. and it's beautifully shot i was just like oh what's is the episode gonna be and i was really excited because what's that movie that community we'll mention community again my dinner with andrea yeah i I put in my notes i called it my dinner with andrea yeah Oh, Andrea, sorry, my dinner with Andrea. Yeah. That's why I wrote down in my notes. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, is that what this episode's going to yeah, be? Yeah, that's what I thought yeah. it was going to be. It wasn't, but I was really excited about that concept. That's um, a movie I desperately need to see, by the way. I've never yeah, seen that. That's really me good. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation between Andrea. No, no, her name was something completely different. Oh, was, I just called it my dinner oh, with Andrea because it was like um, my dinner with Andre. But Jade, sorry. Yeah. Um, the conversation between Jade and Van was fantastic, and them talking about like them valuing themselves and women valuing themselves in a completely different way that a woman can do that, which I found really interesting and how like such like two women who are living such different lives can still, it's not like it's passive aggress- aggression and that kind of thing, but also like ultimately come together and like just have a bit of a laugh. And mm-hmm. that was great to see Van in that moment. Um, and then, you know, her, her whole like trying to find urine and her little scheme. But I kept thinking, I'm like, why wouldn't you think just to have like, 
a pin on I you. Kept, I kept. I mean, that was the only bit that frustrated me was is like just use your earring to like pierce yeah. it. Like I would have thought that far just ahead. Just like a little. Yeah, exactly. If you're gonna think that far ahead to like piece apart a nappy, I'm yeah. sure you'd be like, oh well, I need to prick it with something. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, um, yeah, I thought that was a lot of fun. To, like I was having fun watching that. Agreed. I loved her conversations with Paperboy. I thought that was really fun tete a tete. Um, and then obviously when she, you know. Bails herself up by being too honest, um, and that's kind of heartbreaking. I, I, and yeah, like you said, uh, Zazie Beats. I hope that's how you pronounce her name. Let's let's I'm just so give sorry, up. Sorry, everyone. Pretend <laughs> that we know how to do that. Uh, she was she's fantastic, and I tried to because like, she seemed really familiar to me, and I tried to look up um, if I'd seen her or anything. I don't think I have. Not um, that I, I, I'm not familiar with anybody. At least yeah. off the top of my head, she's cool. But though. anyway, she was. Fant- she's been fantastic throughout the season and she just shone in this episode and it was fantastic to watch. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Mm-hmm. All right. Final score and ranking. Well, I can't rank it. It's the only season, but. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> you can try, Brod. I will rate it number one. It is the best and worst season of the show so far. Um, I'm going to give it four stars. I mean, four sits pretty good for me. Yeah. I, uh, I keep thinking about benchmarks at this point with like Breaking Bad and. Um, and Dead Like Me and those sorts of things where, where, what four stars sort of mean four stars I believe is what I gave Avatar the last Avengers first season um, and it's like it's for the same reason that I like that season there's so much potential there it doesn't always hit everything it doesn't it's not always exciting necessarily I'm not always dragged into it that way but it's freaking well made it's funny it's fascinating it's got some really cool characters it's really well acted it's beautifully shot there's so much to admire about this show um, I think it's got potential to get better though. Mm-hmm. So I think four makes the most sense to me. Oh, this is boring because I'm agreeing with you once again. <sighs> four stars. Yeah, I think, like I said, it's got so much potential. It's unlike anything I've seen before in a good way. Mm. Um, they have given themselves so much creative license to do what they want to do and they do it successfully and mm-hmm. consistently. Um yeah, I've I've got to give it four. I think it's fantastic, um, but I but it doesn't get the five because I still want more. I just want a little bit more. Um, I, I really it, really like it. Not in love with it, but I really really like it. I think it would be hard to give a first season of anything five stars five, yeah. unless it was a a complete story in one season. So say it was an anthology show like True Detective or something like that, mm. or if it you looked at it back in retrospective, retroactively. So you looked back and went, the first season of the show is the best season and that's where it peaked. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> I already know one show that I would give five stars for its first What's season. What's that? And I'm not going to tell you because we will be talking about it in the future. Oh, okay, sure. So, yeah. Cool. <laughs> All right. Will we keep watching? Well, I have to wait till 2018, but yes. yes. I'm actually knowing, like, as is the case, now that I've watched it, I'm really keen for more and look forward to whenever it comes back. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I would definitely keep watching. Looking forward to that. Uh, predictions, hopes, concerns? Um, I hope we do get a follow-up on the whole um, Paperboy shooting. shooting yeah, and that, that We discussed that. There was talk that he had a court appearance he's going to have to go to at some stage. I'd That's like right. to see what that looks like. Um, and just, yeah, that there's some... The ongoing consequences of that, yeah. both for his rap career been, like, and just personally, for that armed robbery as well. So yeah, which they never went up. back to. That was like episode eight or whatever it was, and then yeah. I was just expecting that to go somewhere. And maybe the show, I, I get the feeling sometimes the show maybe just does, isn't interested in that stuff. Mm. Maybe we won't get that, and it won't probably won't matter because it'll take us somewhere interesting anyway. True, yeah. but it'd be cool if it did. Um, I think if it went there, that would make sense. 
Um, and just that ongoing sense of something being up that needs to be addressed that's related to that as well. Um, I wonder whether that crazy manager lady that ripped through Earn... I say, she says like the harshest thing I've ever heard anyone say to another person, which was like, I'm going to make sure you die homeless. Yeah. Oh my God. Like yeah. that's, that's not like, I hope you have a horrible life. It's just like, I want you to die with nothing. Yeah. That is fucked. Anyway, I, that kind of blew my mind what she said. I'm like, maybe I should use that on someone who I really, <laughs> really hate. But yeah. Um, I'm interested to know if she comes back or not. She could very easily just be a throwaway character because she's so crazed. I hope she's, she does. But I hope she does too. It'd be interesting. I think the actress' name is Jane Adams. Anyway, I really like her. She's very good. And I just hope we see... I would like to see them double down. Like, it, again, fine if they don't. The show could just keep having its little weird moments here and there. But if it chooses to really double down some of its like almost sci-fi elements that are right. in there, that'd be kind of cool. I'd like to All see right. that. As long as it go, doesn't go too Twin Peaksy for you. Because I know you don't like that. If, uh, the problem with Twin Peaks is it started weird. It didn't build towards weird and it didn't... Right, okay, like it. Uh, you can go there and be effective with that. You can build to that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it never got... I never liked the characters enough to give a shit about it being weird or... Right, okay. Like, that, we, I know we talked about this last time. We shouldn't harp on about Twin Peaks. But I know it wasn't a show that was trying to make me care about the characters. But I want to care about the characters mm-hmm. and I didn't. So, I didn't connect. Yeah, that's what you want out of a story. That's that's. It makes fine. me that's a legitimate. awful human being. I know. <laughs> yes, it does. Um, do I have any predictions? I don't know if I... It's so hard with this show because, like, they can do anything. The, I, I, like, those were just me looking at, like, yeah. trying to figure out what's not being addressed yet so or I, what I set up Yeah, I don't know about later. predictions. Maybe I'll go into hopes. I hope that Van finds some real genuine independence. Um, mm-hmm. That while she's scrambling for her career as much as Earn is... I hope she is, you know, somewhat successful even a little bit in doing that. I just hope that we learn a bit more about Ern and his past, why he dropped out of Princeton. Mm. I'd love to know that. Um, but I, that's it. I mean, I've just, yeah, it's really hard to think of predictions as to. Would you like to see more of his go. parents? I quite like their characters for the little bit. They that had was pretty funny. One. That yeah. was pretty great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, the answer is yes to that. I would <laughs> love to see more of his parents. Just to just to know more about him. Full stop. I think. Uh, cool. All right. You got any further notes or anything you That's want to it. talk I'm about? Done. I'm all landed out. All right, then. So if you want to contact us, you certainly can. We are on Facebook. Just search Hunting Seasons. Or you can catch us on Twitter, which is at Huntingscast, at H U N T I N G S C A S T. Or you can email us at Hunting Seasons Podcast at gmail.com. Broad, what is your Twitter? You can find me at B Gordes, B G O R D U S. Beautifully deep there mm, at the end. Mm, Loved mm. it. You can also catch me at Maskymu, M A S K Y M O. And as for our Hunting Seasons logo and graphics, which are fantastic, the props for that go to Sean Kirkpatrick. You can find him at seankirkpatrickdesigns.portfoliobox.net. And our wonderful theme song, which is by Jordan Calavis. And you can find him at soundcloud.com slash classic J-Rex. And please, 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 if you like the podcast, please review us on iTunes. If you didn't like us, don't. Um, But if you did, definitely review us. 
Give us all the stars that are available to you. That's five. There's a maximum of five. That's all we need. Just um, five. Five, please. All right, but, you know. Four's if you want to write five's in the comments better. that you would give us five and a half if it was possible, feel free to do that. And the preview of our next episode is... <laughs> After a lot of debating, yeah, trying to figure out what yeah. was going to fit best next. This is, hasn't happened yet, but we just could not figure out what we were going to do. Well, let's talk about... So, this was the second in our uh, currently airing series. The next category we want to go to is recommended. Mm-hmm. So, not next week, but in two weeks' time, we're going to jump into Orange is the New Black. We are. Which I admittedly have seen... Half of season one, but I've seen right. nothing beyond that. And there mm-hmm. are four seasons out so far with a fifth yes. season coming soon. Yes, that's right. So we're going to jump into that. That yeah. starts, that'll take us four episodes to do that, but we'll start mm-hmm. that one in two weeks' time. But mm-hmm. next week, as our new must watch show, out of our seminal category, we're going to start watching Louis. Louis. By Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. I am very excited. I've only seen like a couple of episodes here and there. I've seen episodes here and there as well. I've been told consistently that it's amazing, that I would love it. And as an aspiring comedy writer, I need to be watching this show. And I haven't because I'm lazy. So this is a good excuse to do it. And I'm very excited. I'm really looking forward to it too. The bits I've seen, I've loved. Anytime I see him doing stand-up or an interview, like he's Every like stand-up of Louis C.K. I've seen is incredible. Really he's so good. good. He's so, 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 so good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. How many seasons of that? Four or five? So you gotta, I think there's five. I think there's five. So you got a little bit, a little, bit, a little, bit got a little bit to look forward to there. Mm-hmm. Louis and Orange is the New Black for the next little bit. Yeah, I hope I'm, you like those. I'm really, ex- I'm really excited because in the recommend category, obviously, like I love Orange is the New Black, so I'm recommending it to Broad. And I remember the first time I watched Orange is the New Black, I rewatched that first season every day for a few weeks. Is this the show that you rated five stars in the first season? No, it wasn't, but oh. that wasn't what I was thinking of. But I, maybe I will for this. Oh, who knows? Go. Who knows? Because um, it'll be interesting rewatching it with a really critical eye. Yeah. Whereas before, I was just like, I'd never seen anything before like it before. So I was just like fangirling all over it. That sounds messy. My computer was just covered with jizz. <laughs> um, what a good point to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's a sign off of everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening, everyone. Um, And like we said, please review on iTunes. Really appreciate it. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, everyone. Bye. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Confidence starts with loving who you are. 
And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.